welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for insightful analysis and enlightening discussions. I'm Michael Bull, your host to the world of commercial real estate. Thanks for being with us today. Well, today we're going to talk about a huge subject in commercial real estate, and that is leases. You know, real estate value is created by the user, the occupier, in most cases as a tenant. The use of the property and both the landlord's and tenant's rights and obligations are controlled by the lease. Today we're going to talk about a few of the crucial aspects of leases and how they may impact your business and the value of your real estate. Nothing we share with you today is intended as legal advice. Whenever you're entering into a lease, you should always seek counsel from a real estate attorney familiar with the property, company goals, local laws, and customs. The name of the show today is a good one. Oops, I should have covered that in the lease, right? Sometimes you may say worse words than uh, oops uh, if you don't have things covered in the lease. Um, We'll share some terms when in and not in leases where people have actually said, oops, I should have covered that in the lease. We'll touch on different uh, types of leases, including retail office, multifamily, single tenant, and multi-tenant. We're fortunate today to have Peter Hartman, a partner with the law firm Hartman, Simons, and Wood, join us here in Studio One in Atlanta. Peter, thanks for joining us today. It's a pleasure, Michael. It's really nice to be here, and it's a a very timely uh, subject, and I look forward to talking to you about it today. Well, we appreciate it. And uh, first, one of the challenges I think I see with some clients uh, around the country is sometimes they take leases too lightly you know maybe they're just so familiar with them if they're landlords and they've got a lot of properties or or they're do-it-yourselfer type tenants and they they make some mistakes just how important is the lease document I, I really I'd say in commercial real estate there's nothing more important than than the than the lease um, I think what happens often is everybody's so excited if you're a landlord you find a tenant you're very excited about it if you're a tenant you find a space and at that point everybody thinks the deal is done and and, and you move on and you hopefully get in the space and operate but unfortunately or, or, or fortunately um, you know the lease document is key in certain cases you know leases can go on 30 years with options. Um, it's, you know, unlike a, a purchase agreement or, or many other uh, documents in real estate, which basically come to an end when a closing occurs or um, another transaction happens, leases go on forever. And leases are not just necessarily between the two parties that entered into them originally through assignments and, and transfers and many other reasons. You know, there could be three different parties in a lease um, over the course of, of history. So it's very, very important to make sure that all the terms are addressed. And there's so many terms that, as you mentioned before, often get overlooked that I think we need to be focusing on more. Yeah, that's a good point. And uh, I like your point there. Your, uh, the landlord-tenant may change down the road. So you might think you have a good relationship with your landlord, but that landlord may change also with the tenant, right? Yeah, I think one of the toughest things is, you know, everybody at the time, generally when you when you cut the deal, everybody kind of loves each other. They're, you know, this is a great relationship. Yeah. And, you know, if, if there's a problem in the lease, you know, we have a good relationship, so we'll work it out. But as we all know, you know, leases get assigned, uh, landlords sell property at you know who and so the parties who you're dealing with are often not the parties you know who you'll be dealing with in 10 years so unfortunately you need to make sure that the document reflects issues you know correctly and 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 fairly that people can rely on for you know for years to come and it's important to have the right team that's helping you with that lease especially if you're a tenant right and then what type of team might you put together yeah i mean i think that the you know 
tenants and you know uh, you know varies so much from you know the mom pa type tenant mm-hmm. that uh, often doesn't have a lot of leverage often um, you know will you know just because of their financial situation will say you know we'll negotiate the lease ourselves we'll not get a, a lawyer or we'll not rely on their broker and there's so many gotchas especially in the you know the mom and pop context from a tenant you know there's so many hidden costs that really is you know the i think the tenant goes into the deal um you know the mom and pop type tenant will go into the deal thinking okay i can afford you know the rent and that's what they assume that the, their financial obligations are but there's so many other issues in the lease uh, common area maintenance charges promotional charges uh, uh, electricity charges that often i think many of my landlord uh, clients and tenant uh, and, and relationships will be upset for me saying this mm-hmm. but there are also a lot of profit centers that the landlord builds into leases through other costs you know th- um, additional rent costs that often non-sophisticated tenants have no idea that they'll be paying if they think they're going to pay twenty thousand dollars a year for rent turns out they'll pay thirty thousand dollars in extra charges and that really can obviously make (laughs) can kind of destroy a deal yeah it reminds me of the saying he who represents himself has has a fool for a client right absolutely we've done unfortunately i've done a lot of that myself representing myself (laughs) and i certainly have learned that and it's always uh, because also one of the things is it's repetition i think that you know unlike certain tenants retailers for example who do you know multiple multiple deals a year national tenants they're used to the you know what they're going to encounter around the country with different landlords but if you're a, if you're just going to do you know one lease a year or one lease in your entire career you have no experience knowing what the you know what the gotchas are well, what type of things to look out for yeah that's a good point uh, and i like to see a good tenant rep who specializes in the property type and a good lawyer who hopefully even specializes not only in commercial real estate, number one, but maybe even in the property sector. Like, I know you guys do a lot of retail, right? Yes, a tremendous amount of retail. But, uh, you know, to me, even when I'm representing a landlord, I really like it when the tenant has a good lawyer or a good uh, broker on his side because, you know, it's easy for us to get the, the lease done. You, know, you send a lease out and you get no comments at all on it. You know, it makes the deal easy to get signed. Mm-hmm. But if I see something like that, I would, I talk to my landlord client. I said, I'm not sure if, you know, this tenant is going to be around in two years. <laughs> right. I mean, because if right. they haven't looked at some of the, the, you know, because unfortunately leases tend to be, you know, very tenant driven or very landlord driven. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I wish, I mean, we actually have come up with some leases, which I think are pretty fair in the middle, so don't require as much negotiation. But for the most part, they're very onerous one side or the other. And if you don't get comments from a tenant on most of these landlord form leases, my odds are, you know, that basically if this is how they're going to run their, their rest of their normal business, they're going to be out of business. And then you'll be looking for a tenant again. Yeah. So you'd rather have a fair lease going in that you know, that works for everybody because the odds are you'll have a tenant for a long, you know, for a long time who pays his rent. Yeah. And that might be rather eye-opening to, to some tenants out there who have successful businesses and they're kind of the do-it-yourselfer type of person to, to realize that, you know what, these landlords um, really like to see a tenant who has good representation, both on the tenant rep side and the legal side, like you said, so, so they're more confident. Uh, in their business practices. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing that's very interesting is I think when people think from a from a lawyer point of view of representing, you know, tenants, you know, I think they, they think in much more in terms that, you know, we deal with law, whatever that is, or we deal with issues that are not economically based. But because we, we've we seen so many leases and, 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 and seen so many gotchas, you know, as I've said to 
many, many, you know, smaller uh, tenants that we've represented, you know, we'll save you in the first year more than your legal fee will be just just putting caps on on common area costs or or being able to actually, you know, put limitations on the amount of pro rata share that you'll be paying. Because what ends up happening in, in a lot of commercial leases is the small guys end up subsidizing the big guys, yeah. you know, in the, the famous in the mall context or whatever, you know, the department stores pay very little uh, common area maintenance costs and they get subsidized by the little guys. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you know, that that's always going to happen, but you're going to, you know, a smart tenant will at least cap its exposure so it's not an unlimited situation. Yeah, and I think that's very key what you said there about understanding more than the initial rates and terms that sometimes a, a tenant may put a lot of focus on, but there's those things that might happen one year, three years, eight years, maybe 20 years out that when you have experience representation both on the tenant rep side and the, and the attorney side that, you know what, these guys have seen this. I mean, you've been in the business, what, 25 years? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And I've been more. in 30 years. And, you know, you, you see things that happen over time and, you know, that can help you get a better lease right. uh, up front. And also what happens are there, there are certain costs and, and gotchas that don't really kick in until later years in a lease. For example, in a new project, you know, often you would not have a lot of the maintenance costs and, and, and different uh, capital uh, repair costs that you would have in later years. But all of a sudden, you know, a, a, a building needs to have a new roof put on it. And, and the tenant would pay 100% of the roof replacement costs in one year rather than amortizing it over the over the term or or putting some caps on that or some ability to at least uh, make sure the landlord goes out and bids the, the maintenance costs and things like that. Because otherwise, when it's 100% pass-through, there's not a lot of motivation for the landlord to uh, minimize the cost if somebody's paying 100% yeah. of the... Um, you know, of other reimbursements. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's a very good point. And uh, we're in the rest of the show. We're going to go over some specific areas where you may want to be careful, uh, both on the landlord side and the tenant side, like self-help uh, clauses and, you know, ways to control costs. You know, tenants are concerned about their occupancy costs and uh, you better check that in your lease or you might be saying, oops. All right. Well, stay tuned. We'll have more. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by your friends at Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. Welcome back. I'm Michael Ball, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show, where our show topic today is, oops, I should have covered that in the lease. We have Peter Hartman here with Hartman, Simons, and Wood. And uh, Peter, one of the things I see promoted as a great thing for investors buying uh, uh, investment properties is that the tenants uh, have uh, 10 years on their lease or whatever the initial term is, and oh, they have three uh, five-year options to renew. What do you think about the value of a, to a landlord for the tenant having these kind of one-sided renewal options? Uh, sometimes they could be used uh, against them, couldn't it? Oh, completely. I don't think there's any value to the landlord. Uh, but unfortunately, it's something you you know with more sophisticated tenants, you're you know it's just it's just the norm. The key is you know what I try to do is if it's a ten-year term, I try never to get the options more than the years of the term. For example, as, you, as the example you just said, 10-year term with three five-year renewals, we try to match them up, so we try to never give more than 10 years of renewals. That's just kind of, for whatever reason, I learned that 
a while back, and it, it just seems to work, and I think it's it's more commercially uh, uh, acceptable. But you know, options just go one way, and uh, it really basically gives it creates a it creates a floor or ceiling of the rent because basically what happens is for the most part the, the tenants come in if they don't like what the rent is in the option they'll, rene- they'll, they'll they'll negotiate at that rate and the landlord really has no flexibility there's certain things the landlord really should make sure of though clearly that the tenant is not in default both at the time it exercises the option and at the time that the option would kick in um, some of the tenants object to that, especially if it might be a de minimis, uh, non-monetary default. But certainly if they're in default at all, you know, another thing that, that we try to do is limit the option to the specific tenant. If the tenant has assigned to a, a third party uh, during the course of the lease, the argument being, you know, that option was personal to that, to that tenant, why should somebody else, you know, get it? Um, you know, to me, options are, 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 are a tough situation. But the key is also getting as much time. I mean, often, you know, especially for a large space, if you're only getting six months notice or three months notice, how are you going to get ability as good of brokers as you guys, you know, are out there? How are you going to, it might have taken you a year to find the tenant in the first place. How are you going to relet that space, you know, in six months or, you know, and to me, the larger the space, the more difficult the, you know, uh, or sophisticated the, the project is, you need a longer period of time. You know, that's a great point. And, you know, we see it uh, doing investment sales around the country where, you know, if you get a uh, at lease with three years, two years left on it and the tenant has the option to renew as a as a landlord or, or a lender involved or an uh, investor, you don't know. You can't sell that building to a user because the tenant has an option to renew. You can't sell it to an investor because you know, there's not enough time on it. They're not interested unless you want to give them a great price. Uh, so that uh, having a, a strong notice provision with as much advance notice as possible would help a little bit in that regard. Oh, completely. And I think that one of the things, you know, the more sophisticated tenants have, have been adding into the leases uh, provision that, that even if they miss, if for, for whatever reason, if they neglect to, to timely send the notice, the landlord has to send them notice, which is really kind of a crazy provision. Yeah. But it's something with the national uh, tenants you generally have to agree with. But the, I guess the good or the bad news with them is they're generally fairly sophisticated, so they tend not to miss those those notices. But on the tenant side, the rights to renew, especially if the rates are locked in, is a fantastic uh thing to have in your lease right completely especially yeah. if you have a situation where the tenant has put investment into the property you know I, I can understand you know that that point and um, you know the, the problem is often you know the the rate that you've agreed to might not have kept up with the mar- you know with the market rates or, or or whatever so we would we would see a situation where maybe it would be you'd put a cap of how high it could go but it might be based on more of a, you know, more of a floating rate based on market. Another thing to keep in mind, which I think is very important from the landlord side, as, as we mentioned before, some of these renewals can go out 30 years or more. You know, often after, you know, 15 years or whatever, that, you know, we're seeing all this reuse of space, something that might have been, let's say, a, a good retail site when you did the lease 15 years ago or 20 years ago is now a great site for a multifamily, you know, uh, uh, 
residential tower or an office building. So do you want to be locked in for a tenant who has a use that basically is not the best use there? They have total leverage over you because they can control your real estate. So what we have done at times after a certain period of time, especially more in an urban situation, that, you know, give the landlord the option to basically void the, um, the right if the, the use of the property changes over time. Um, you wouldn't discriminate against a tenant if it stayed retail or if it stayed whatever the use that they had, they would continue to have the option. But if the whole use of the property changes to a completely different type of use or density, then you would have the right to nullify the uh, the options. You know, I've seen that on properties where there's a lot of vacancy and the, uh, uh, the broker or the, the seller saying, yeah, this property is unencumbered by obligations to tenants. Right. <laughs> right? You can do what you want. But with it's this always property. an interesting dynamic because you have a situation that you want term because that's what gets you the ability to finance and sell. But on the other hand, often if you give term, then you've got to give options. I've, you know, so we're doing a bunch of projects now more in urban infill type areas where the landlords are willing to go very short term leases, but to get the flexibility to redevelop the property you know in a short period of time without being encumbered with having the renewal options on it so it's a you know it's a it's a real trade-off yeah one of the things that uh, we often see even with very sophisticated landlords on uh, office properties and retail properties specifically is that you know they may change asset managers they may change leasing people over time and sometimes they'll they'll do a lease and it's conflicting with a previous lease that's already existing on the property. Now they've, they've put themselves in a bind. What are some things that uh, a landlord might want to have on a checklist to, to look at on their existing leases before they sign a new one on a multi-tenant deal? Yeah, I mean, I think you need to, in a multi-tenant deal, make sure probably the biggest one that jumps out are, are use restrictions. Um, you know, always keep a list of the existing use restrictions from the current leases and have that updated each time you do a new lease because that really is you know that really is the key i mean often now it is kind of segueing back to what i talked about before you know we're finding in projects now that they don't tend to be just retail or just office or just um you know multifamily. these mixed-use projects have a little bit of everything in it and one of the biggest areas now that you're seeing in, in normal shopping centers or even retail uh, office things is medical you're seeing a lot of these uh, dock in the boxes and things popping up and historically you would have restrictions and leases against that type of use and you know and you'd have stuff that you couldn't have you know doctor's offices and things like that but these were done in times when that type that type of stuff was not normally found in these centers so you really need to check the use restrictions and make sure that and and when you're in doubt you need to have those use restrictions shown to the new tenant or certainly put on put in the lease so they at least make the determination that their use wouldn't violate these type of things because I think that sometimes landlords will make the assumption that oh yeah that you know that you know that use is fine um, you know so you know we're not even going to go back to the tenant the problem is if the tenant if, an, if the existing tenant sees that something's violating it or at least perceives it's violating it even if it might not be true at all, they might use that situation as leverage to stop paying rent, to get a concession. So it's, it's, it's all part of the game. Right. And use restrictions may not have anything to do with exclusives, but, but you also have exclusives, right? And you need to check that and make sure you're not violating those. Oh, completely. I mean, we have, uh, you know, we try our best to do non-exclusive centers and we're fairly successful with sometimes and, and other times it's not, but exclusives will just kill you, especially 
uh, grocery stores and things like that. The dollar stores have tremendous restrictions. Well, stay with us. We'll have more on commercial leases. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by Florida International University. With FIU's Fast Track system, you can earn your master's in real estate in just 10 months without interrupting your career. Visit FIUonline.com to learn more. That's FIUonline.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Ball, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Our topic today is, oops, I should have covered that in the lease. And we have uh, Peter Hartman here. He's a partner with Hartman, Simons, and Wood, a law firm uh, well-known in the commercial real estate market around the U.S., uh, especially when it comes to retail properties. Uh, very involved with ICSC. And uh, you guys just got back from uh, New York, right? It was a we good did. show. We did. They moved it for the first time to the Javits Center. And uh, even though it was very difficult to get to, it's all the way on the on the uh, Hudson River, it was great because it was a much more much better layout. And they actually had... A thousand more, I think, uh, attendees than they've had ever, 9,500. So obviously that bodes well, hopefully, for at least another couple of good years in commercial real estate. That's good. And we were talking about some items that uh, might be gotchas in the lease. And, you know, one of those is um, co-tenancy, right? Uh, Some of those co-tenancy clauses that we used to see a lot of. Yeah. No, what we, is, uh, what's the trend now on those? I think we still see a lot of them. Unfortunately, I was kind of when when things came out of uh, you know the the 2008, 9, 10 when the world was kind of coming to an end in uh, in, in development, uh, certainly in retail. Um, I really thought that because the banks would get much more uh, tougher on the leases, that co-tenancy would be a much more difficult thing to get approved. Unfortunately, what happened was the tenants. Uh, realized because they were stuck in centers and lost a lot of other retailers, they tended to get tougher on the co-tenancy. And basically what co-tenancy is, is a, is a requirement in the lease that the um, uh, that certain other tenants or a certain percentage of tenants have to be open, or if, if they're not open, then the tenant gets to have some sort of rent relief, either paying a percentage only rent or uh, paying half rent, and then after a certain period of time, having the ability to terminate the lease. Um, so co-tenancy, unfortunately, is, is, is still with us. Um, we fight it all the time from the landlord's point of view. Uh, we try to limit it if we can't opening co-tenancy only, meaning at the time the center is open. Um, the key, though, is to make sure you have cure rights, meaning that the right to terminate or pay reduce rent doesn't go on forever because that would be a very unfair situation. Often the tenant's doing just as well as it was doing with or without the other tenants, and then it gets a windfall by being able to pay a reduced rent. Um, and certainly, I've seen co-tenancies where tenants have the right to pay reduced rent when they're not even open themselves, <laughs> and things like that. Yeah. You know, these are the type of gotchas that you have to have, and you want to make sure that things like casualties and, and different abilities when tenants go out, you're not penalized for these force majeure type of situations. But co-tenancy is a, you know, something that is probably next to the exclusive use restriction issues are probably the most uh, heavily negotiated things and certainly in retail leases. And let's talk about another um, subject that's uh, important to landlords and tenants and 
and also hotly contested sometimes, and that's CAM, right? The accommodary maintenance, the pass-throughs that tenants pay to, to landlords because landlords want to be able to pass through everything reasonable um, so they have a, a steady net operating income. Their lenders want to see that, but tenants also want to control their occupancy costs. Um, what are some tips for, for landlords, if you will, first uh, related to uh, CAM expenses and their leases? I uh, don't agree to caps. Uh, <laughs> that'd probably be the first one that I would I would say. But, um, you know, the, the key is, uh, you know, tenants are getting more and more sophisticated about it and are being much more apt to impose a cap, you know, a, a, you know, a 5% increase a year cap, 3%. What we're finding, which actually is working very well, I think, for most tenants and landlords, is we've been doing going to a lot of fixed cam deals where basically the cam will be agreed to up front at, let's say, $5 a foot, and there'll be an automatic increase each year of 3%. And the beauty of that is, number, number one, it makes it a lot easier to negotiate in the lease because you don't really negotiate it at all. There's no um, um, inclusions or exclusions. You have the ability. Um, there's no audit issues. You don't have the typical fights that you would have between landlords and tenants. There's probably no issue that's more contentious um, post-execution than the the fight between uh, reconciling CAM every year, and that you know that can be an enormous uh, uh, cost to the tenant, especially when when there's no caps, um, and you know what is in, what is it not. I mean, typically I look at CAM as things that are common area. Often landlords look at CAM as things that are dealing with roof, building repairs, things like that, which could be absolutely you know tremendous, you know, uh, decks, um, things like that. So to me, anytime you can have a situation where you come up with a fair cap arrangement, um, it's probably the best way to, to deal for both sides. Yeah, and I guess one of the things we're also seeing when, when tenants uh, would like to have a cap is that you cap the increases on the controllable expenses, right? The ones that exactly. the management can handle, but the taxes, when the insurance, some of these things are just uncontrollable, and you really hate to yeah. cap those. I mean, I'm doing you? a deal in Rochester, New York right now, and it's not a big deal in Atlanta, but the, the issue of, like, snow removal is tremendous. <laughs> I mean, they can like be $2 a foot or more in Rochester. Yeah, you know, we don't, usually don't have to worry about that on, on, in Atlanta where we live. Well, stay tuned. We'll have more Oops. I should have covered that in the lease. I'm Michael Bull. This is the commercial. Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by Realnex, providing a comprehensive suite of powerful commercial real estate tools at an incredibly low cost. Visit Realnex.com. That's R-E-A-L-N-E-X. Welcome back. I'm Michael Ball, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Welcome back to Oops. I should have covered that in the lease. We have Peter Hartman here with Hartman, Simons, and Wood. And, uh, Peter, another subject that can be real important to tenants and landlords as well, obviously, is sublease and assignment rights by the tenant, right? So if a tenant has uh, what might be great business selling widgets right now, well, all of a sudden uh, widgets have uh, been replaced with some app. Uh, they need to have, if they can, some right to do something else in the space, right? Yeah, I mean, probably from a tenant point of view, other than the rent, probably the most important, I think, uh, uh, clause is probably the um, the assignment subletting uh, rights, transfer rights. Because obviously every, people go into the lease with the intention that, you know, they got the greatest business, this is going to work. 
Um, we have the right size space. I mean, for many reasons, uh, they need the flexibility. You know, often it's not necessarily that the business is even bad. It's that the space is, is too small for them or, or too big or, or, or they've discovered that they need to be in a different location. Or So the, the transferability rights are just crucial. Um, and, and the ability to, uh, you know, and they're also, within the lease, there are also a lot of gotcha provisions that even though the tenant might have some flexibility to transfer the lease, there are other areas in the lease that could get them. For example, alteration clauses. You know, if the tenant assigns to a third party and that third party needs to make changes to the, put up a new sign to do anything like that, and the landlord has the absolute right to consent to that, that's another way, despite having flexibility on the assignment ability or sublet, um, you know, those are ways for the tenant to be denied the ability to do it. One of the other probably biggest examples of that is, and certainly in the retail context, is use restrictions. I mean, if the tenant is obligated to only use the, the, the premises for a certain use, and, and for example, if that use is not working well, uh, they need to assign to another. It might even be the same company. They might not even want to, uh, it might be the same tenant, but they might decide to you know, change their use a little bit to, to fit the space better or something. If the landlord has the absolute right to consent to that, then they have no flexibility. Yeah. So all those things, signage, alterations, use, they're all tied into the flexibility ability. Right. And then as a landlord, though, especially when you're talking about a, a retail property, it's reasonable to want some control over, over what those tenants are doing there, right? Oh, completely. The tenant mixes is everything. And also, as we mentioned in the, in the last segment, the co-tenancy situation, you know, you know, if, if you're committing to a tenant that there has to be a 10,000 square foot tenant next to them and that and the tenant who's 10,000 feet decides that it wants to sublet its space into two spaces of 5,000, you know, that might be fine for that tenant. But the tenant who has the co-tenancy protection is going to basically have remedies against you because you've all you don't have a 10,000 square foot tenant anymore. So it all kind of ties together. And the landlord really needs to. I mean, one of the age old issues in real estate is who controls the real estate. State, yeah. You know, and I think that from a landlord point of view, it needs a recapture right. If it doesn't have a consent right, certainly a recapture right, because that, that allows it at least to control who's in that space, um, you know, what they're doing, um, because that, that controls the real estate. One of the most important issues on the financing point of view is, does the tenant get the ability to be released from liability? Uh, you know, the more sophisticated tenants today, especially in the retail context, are saying that, you know, if they find an assignee that has a net worth over a certain amount, um, you know, they should be released from liability. That's always a big fight. And I would basically say that it shouldn't be set forth at a specific net worth number. It should be set for, forth at the greater of that net worth number or the value of that tenant at the time of the transfer, because that's what you bargain for. Right. What about relocation? I mean, some leases, the landlord has the right to, to relocate a tenant if they've got a, a larger tenant or for whatever reason. But that can be traumatic sometimes for, for some of these tenants, can it? Yeah, I mean, you're finding in the more kind of upscale, you know, higher end type shopping centers, you would find that some relocation rights, because the last thing you'd want as a landlord would have this situation where you have a great spot where you could maybe put a department store in or something and move a bunch of tenants and you have a, you know, a, a nail salon that's there that has, you know, a lot of term on their lease and, and you can't move them. So, you know, what we're finding is that we're trying to get relocation clauses and it's an important 
uh, situation, but but getting a lot of pushback from more the national tenants. But I think as long as you can, um, you know, put them in comparable space, reimburse them for their costs, it probably is a fair, you know, uh, position for both sides. Right. So as a tenant, you might want to think about, well, are they going to pay for my move? Are they going to pay for my staff to handle? Are they going to pay for our advertising changes? Are they going to pay for my new sign to be moved? Yeah. And all those sorts of things. But you know? but as we all know that in real estate, it's location, location, location. So, right. you know, what, what what the landlord thinks is a comparable space might not be what the tenant thinks is a comparable space. Right. And, 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 and do you have the right to prove that and maybe get out of your lease or say no? Right. And, you know, it's funny the way that, you know, especially, in a, you know, in a multi-tenant deal, whereas you could start out with a, with a, with a lineup in, in the first few years, and this is a portion of it is where all the most of the business is, is being done because there's a very hot retailer on one end of it. But in 10 years, it could totally switch because another retailer is. So, you know, there's a lot of flexibility and a lot of subjectivity, I think, to it. Yeah. We're short on the break, but are you seeing any issues related to online sales, say like maybe percentage rent clauses and, and anything the change in there? You know, it's funny when I, you know, probably about 10 years or so when when online sales kind of started and kind of had a little bit of a, a, a jump and then kind of stopped. And then now, you know, I, I did a, a fair amount of uh, lecturing on that topic and it really didn't seem to be an issue at all. I'd, I'd have these lectures and no one really thought they were applicable at all, but it really is an issue today because so many of these stores have so many different ways of doing it between catalogs and online and, and, and the store. And it really is unfair to the landlord to have a situation where the tenant can basically have people come to the store, pick up merchandise and, um, and, and, the, and the sale not count. Because that person is coming to the store, it's using the parking lot, it's using all of the resources of the of the shopping center, but it's basically taking product out, which normally would be a, a gross sale that would count towards percentage rent. Stay tuned, we'll have right, a lot more for you. Excelligent, the resource professionals like CCIMs, CBRE, JLL, Colliers, and Bull Realty use for market intelligence. Commercial Search is the site to market and find available properties to buy, sell, or lease all over the country. Visit CommercialSearch.com. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Thanks for being with us. We have Peter Hartman here with Hartman, Simons & Wood. We're talking about, oops, I should have covered that in the lease. And, and Peter, one of the things that uh, might get you in a lease is not paying attention to, to all the exhibits and things attached to these leases, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny. You know, you get through the whole process and you, you get the body of the lease put together, hopefully well, and people at that point are just kind of fatigued. And they and they basically, you know, often neglect the exhibits, and the exhibits are just as important and and, and are as as binding as as the lease. And often, what happens with exhibits is generally not right at the time the lease is signed, or maybe even at commencement, but later on in time, somebody goes back and looks at the site plan, for example, and they don't put a correct site plan on, and it has references, you know, that that, that deals with tenants that that. that don't exist or you have rules and regulations that no one ever looks at but though they might have things in it for example you know we, we've done ones that rules and regulations will say you can't have any sort of um you know noise outside and and we'll do a deal with a restaurant and it'll have a deck outside that will have music i mean they're just things like that that no one seems to to focus on but probably the biggest one which is the most dollar sensitive is probably the um the work exhibit you know who does what and uh, often, you know, 
and, and that's something that typically the lawyer doesn't have the expertise to know, you know, what the specifications are. So we rely on the uh, project managers. And often everybody is so fatigued that no one really focuses on it. So you get to the point of, of doing the construction and th th there's always disconnects. And that's really where there's so much money involved in that, doing the build outs, that that's really where a lot of the problems come in. Yeah, that's a good point. Another thing that, that brings to mind uh, are self-help clauses for, for tenants. So if a landlord doesn't do what they're supposed to do, maybe they don't do the build out or they don't maintain the property or, uh, you know, do you see uh, any trends there with these self-help clauses uh, in leases? Yeah, I think self-help is probably the most important, one of the most important tools that a tenant has. As we say, as we say, you know, we said earlier, you know, on the show, uh, you know, often the landlord that you start with is not the one you end up with. So you you start out with a very responsible, you know, uh, very. Uh, strong company that is very diligent about fixing things and all of a sudden the center gets sold two or three times and you have an absentee um, you know landlord and you have situations where you have potholes in the shopping center or you have tremendous you know issues and if you don't have the right to go in and, and fix the stuff and have some there are two important things you need the right to fix it and then if they don't pay you you need the right to offset it to at least recoup your your costs and those are crucial and I even from a landlord from a landlord point of view we fight those all the time because you don't want somebody going out there and um, you know and, and, and messing with the you know maybe their warranty issues and things like that on the roof but I really think that's a fair any sophisticated tenant or any tenant really should have some sort of self-help right. I mean, you know, give notice two or three times. I mean, not go there right away, but you need the ability to control your own fate. It's kind of the same idea with taxes and things like that. Um, you know, if the tenant is paying a pro rata portion of taxes and the landlord has no um, incentive because everything's being passed through to contest the taxes or to contest any sort of assessments, then the tenant basically is responsible for paying something where it has no ability to control its own fate. And that's another one that I think is very important. And that's kind of a, a self-help thing because you need the ability to control what your costs are going to be. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And because uh, the normal lease will say that you can't deduct anything. Right. right? So if you just let that go by, then uh, you could have a landlord that's uh, not doing what they're supposed to do, and you have no remedies. Yeah, uh, I mean, the compromise on that is coming up with a percentage that doesn't necessarily be high enough of the offset that it would affect the, you know, the, the cash flow that would go towards paying down the mortgage. So. Well, Peter, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate you being here in Studio One. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. It was great. And thanks uh, for joining us out there in Radio Land. Maybe you're in one of the 40 radio stations or YouTube or iTunes or the show website, CREshow.com. We appreciate you being with us. And join us next week. We'll have Deloitte's Outlook on 2015. You don't want to miss that. Uh, until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh. And join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty Commercial Advisors, a great place to do business. Visit bullrealty.com. Realnex, a comprehensive and powerful suite of commercial real estate tools at an incredibly low price. Visit realnex.com. That's R-E-A-L-N-E-X. FIU, Florida International University. Earn your master's in real estate in as little as 10 months without interrupting your career. Visit FIUonline.com. Excelligent, the resource professionals use for commercial real estate information. Visit Excelligent.com. That's X-C-E-L-I-G-E-N-T. 
Commercial Search, the source to market and source available properties for sale or lease. Visit CommercialSearch.com. For more information on these great companies or for additional videos, podcasts, or articles, visit CREshow.com.